You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to God's Word. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Well, hey, gals. Today, I'm really excited. We have Jamie O'Halloran, who I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a second, but I first met Jamie. Man, how long ago was it? So it was... I'm thinking around 2018 or 19. Maybe. Yes. We went to coffee together. We went to coffee. I remember this. It was you right after starting... I had started women's ministry. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I wanted to meet you so bad. Oh. I I'm heard like, why about do you, you want to meet me? <laughs> no, I'd heard about you. And... I want to meet Jamie. But see, gals, that's why we're doing the podcast here, because you guys probably can't all get into Jamie's office. Jamie O'Halloran is one of the biblical counselors in the women's discipleship and counseling team at Athey. And oh, she's such a blessing to us. But she kind of even beyond that for me personally, she's just somebody I can always go to. She's got wise counsel. She's got scripture on the tip of her tongue and has just been someone that I have been able to count on to be able to go to. And I want you guys to be able to hear that here, wherever you are. If you're going for a walk or you're folding laundry, this is an opportunity for you to just kind of hear from what I consider one of the tightest twos, you know, the older teaching the younger. And again, that's not always an age thing of just pointing us to Jesus, pointing us to Christ and his word. And so she has a breadth of wisdom and things and she's smiling and she's like, no, I don't. Yes, she does. (laughs) But we're going to talk about a few specific areas as it relates to gals. We're going to go from, man, are you dating? Are you not dating? What should be something you look for? But then also some marriage encouragement in there as well. So, and singleness. We've been talking about some of that too. So I think there's a little bit of something here for everyone. But first of all, before I jump in too much, Jamie, tell us who you are. Tell us about your amazing husband. Tell us something about you. Thank you, Amy. I am married to Joe. We've been married for 43 years now. We have three kids and they're all three married. Sam, Lisa, and Sarah, they're married to, Sam's married to Katie, Lisa's married to BJ, and Sarah's married to Dan. We now have seven grandchildren. Seven. And the fun thing is we have the grandkids, we had six of them from 13 to five, and now Sarah had her baby, so we have a baby in the family. Ooh. Oh, so much fun. So Babies are fun. just fun, and she's so fat, and we call her squishy. <laughs> Which is all great when you're babies, and then we don't want to be called that anymore. <laughs> That's when we're what we talk about all the time. How come it's so cute on a baby? It's so good. Well, Jamie, how and you've been an athe for how long now? Ten years. Ten years. And mm-hmm. what is your role with us on staff? So about five years ago, the Lord did a cool thing with Joe and I. He actually, when we first came to Athey, he told us to sit and take for a while. Mm. And it was a beautiful season. We'd always been really involved in the churches we were in in the past. And it, the Lord made it clear. And then out of the blue, Joe became an elder and Judy approached me and she brought me on to Titus 2 right away. So I was in Titus 2 and then counseling as a volunteer for about three and a half years. And then mm-hmm. I came on staff about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And you're busy. Yeah, I love love it. Love it. Love it. I love that. Well, so let's just go ahead and jump in here a little bit. One of the things that we've been talking about, if we're going to go, I suppose, in the order of a gal's life a little bit, hopefully she's going to at least have a selection process here as we think about who you're going to marry. But maybe even before we get to that, maybe like what we should talk about with singleness, you know, a lot of gals where they're at in their place in life, they are Mm -hmm. single. And some of them embrace that. Some of them love it. 
Others have kind of bought into a worldly idea that it's something to escape and run away as fast as you can kind of thing. So give us some encouragement for maybe the gals that are single. Yeah, I walked a singleness journey with both my daughters. Mm. One was five years, one was seven years. And it's a journey that is full of opportunity to really grow close to the Lord Mm. because you can have the loneliness piece to it. And you can feel like you're not complete if you aren't married. And the truth is, I think, not I think, but I think the word really shows us that as much as marriage is a perfect example of the gospel, so is singleness. Because if you are complete and your identity is fully in Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you are a perfect example of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I don't think I've really thought of it like that before. Because we see in scripture very clear examples of how the marriage is a picture really of Christ and his church. And exactly. you know, there's a lot of scriptures about that. But I, I could see how the singles would be like, wait, so until I am married, that's when, you know, I'm part of this. No. No. And it's not that. Absolutely so, not. And and so tell us more what you, where you're coming from on that picture. So I just love thinking about, really, it's just back to like what I was saying, that when your identity, when you, your relationship with the Lord is so full and complete, you don't need a husband to be fulfilled. You don't need a husband to be a completed person. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a world's image that you're complete when you're married, mm-hmm. but you're not. Yeah. If you're complete before you get married, <laughs> that's even better. So I love to say, or, or you've probably heard this saying, that you want to become the godly person a godly person would want to marry. Right, right. And just make that your goal and your pursuit to just become the most godly Christ-free person you can with a full identity in Christ, and people will see that in you. That's so good, because that's really where you want to be. Because the false idea, I suppose, is that once you get married, there's always those things you tell yourself, oh, well, I'll do this when I get married, or when I have kids, or when I do this, I'll start making these changes, maybe in how you study the Bible, or going to church, or there's a list of things on that we might put that might help us in becoming more right. the godly woman that we want to be. Right. But don't wait. Don't no. wait. Exactly. And there's a couple of things, and you've kind of touched on them a little bit, I think, that you can fall into. You can fall into a trap of thinking, what's wrong with me? Hmm. Why am I not married? And the enemy can really do a number on you there. And you have to fight that. Mm-hmm. You can't be spending your time thinking, oh, I see so-and-so has a boyfriend and so-and-so, and and they're really not even very nice. And (laughs) and why don't I have one? And just be really careful to not let the enemy make you think that there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And don't spend time worrying about that. And another thing I think, just these are just a little bit warnings in singleness, is don't let independence become an idol. Mm. And don't start valuing that over your relationship with Christ. Ooh, there's a lot there. So when Chris and I, for years, we started doing the newly marrieds group. Mm, And um, I don't know, like six or seven years. It was so fun. It was such a great Mm -hmm. group. And just getting to be just with these couples that are all in the same stage of life. But I remembered seeing, observing some of the couples that had been single for a long time before they got married. And just what you just said right there, that sometimes was a real stumbling block for them. And not insurmountable, but you could see that it was a little bit of a sticking point because they were so used to 
being independent, doing things on their own and all of that things. And, and I get it. Some gals like, they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I, I do have to do right. some things. Right. But what you're talking about is actually making that independent, some type kind of idol. Mm-hmm. And I do think we need to be careful of that, especially with as gals who the whole world wants to just say that women, you're empowered, you can Absolutely. do anything. We got to be really careful because you start looking and sounding a whole lot more like the world than scripture. And then you bring that into a marriage yep. and you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have... Then we talk about submission, yeah, <laughs> which is coming, right? So, so I love that. Some good encouragement there for some singles, and I love that. And I, you know, we, I think I say this in every episode where I've either had a single gal on because I have dear friends that are singles, and I just love them. I do feel sometimes like people try to put like, oh, well, you're married and you're single. Like there's some sort of distinction. I know. It really is not. There's do that. not. No. You love Christ and you love Christ. It doesn't matter where you exactly. are. Exactly. And there's immense value in God's eyes in both. Yeah. Whether you're single or married. Yeah. Hmm. So good. Okay. So moving past, like, so we've talked about, and I think it's really important for our single gals, maybe once they're getting to that place where they're thinking about dating this guy. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Let's do some dating advice. Yeah. Um, Not from me, from you. <laughs> That's me asking Jamie. Just tell us. Yeah. We, you know, in counseling a lot, we we deal with women that we wished we could have talked to before they got married. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's so important that a woman really thinks through scripturally, what do I want in a husband? And I know you've heard this, but what does a God-fearing man look like? And it's something that you you need to really go before the Lord and ask Him exactly what do I want to see in a God-fearing man. Yeah, well, when you talk about what a God-fearing man looks like, sometimes we think like, oh, a God-fearing man is somebody that goes to church. I see him at church all the time. Or I see him serving at church too. Even that can be, those are all good things. Of course you, those should be the things you absolutely see that do they make church a priority? Do they want to, you know, serve and plug in and that kind of stuff. Those are all good things. But I like what you're asking of actually making yourself pause, write that question down. What does a God fearing man look like? What articulate that be able to really think through exactly what that should be. Exactly. So is he spending time in the word every day? Mm-hmm. Is his deepest desire to grow in the Lord, to know the Lord, to love the Lord, and to serve the Lord? And are you already seeing areas where he is a leader? When you're dating, there's several areas that are very obvious, whether he's a godly leader or not. One of those being yeah. the physical intimacy part. If he's pressuring you at all, in that way, is that a godly leader? Is that a man who's being obedient to the Mm -hmm. word of God? Mm -hmm. So I think you really want to ask yourself, is this a man who is desiring to obey God? Not man, not what he wants to do, but he truly wants to obey what God would have for him and for a family and for a wife. And sometimes maybe I think, could that almost feel a little maybe what our flesh doesn't want in some ways. Like we want them to be, have absolute devotion to us, right? And to, right. you know, sweep you off your feet and it be like extremely romanticized and all of that. And none of those things are bad things, but we could maybe desire that more than 
their full devotion to the Lord. Exactly. I think, yeah, one of the things to see is, are they willing to, in the example, like with how far you're going to go physically, are they willing right. to say, I honor God's word and you and you enough to not go there? Yep. You know, exactly. Yeah. So you, you will see that kind of leadership right away. And does he go to church whether you go or not? Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things. And is he getting around godly men? Mm -hmm. Is he looking for someone to, who's older to be accountable to and to be sharing his life with and his struggles mm -hmm. and things like that? The thing is too, and I don't remember who, I heard this recently. I feel like it was one of our pastors on staff, but red flags don't get less red. I love, okay, so let's talk a lot about red flags. <laughs> <laughs> so you can hear your counseling side coming out going, yes, yes, yes. we see red did flags. Did you, did you, I don't know how many times I want to say, did you not see this before? Right. <laughs> well, I did. So one of the things that I do say to women when they're making this list is you can't put nice on there and you can't put kind. And, oh, he does have some really good characteristics. Those are all great, mm -hmm. but those things aren't going to, last. Hmm. And I think it's really, really important going into a marriage that whatever you see, you need to know you cannot change that man mm -hmm. and you cannot fix him. Mm -hmm. The only one who can do that is the Lord. Mm -hmm. But do not go into a marriage thinking, oh, this ex, whatever it is, will change. Mm -hmm. Once we're married, he won't do that anymore. He won't say that anymore. You need to really get your mind in a place where, no, he's not going to change. This is who he is. Mm -hmm. And you can't fix him either. You go down that road and you're going to start becoming his mother. You're going to become a nag. Mm -hmm. You have to be so careful of that. And that's different than being a helpmate. That's a whole different story there mm -hmm. because you are called by the Lord to be his helpmate if it's someone you're going to marry. But you don't want to become, oh, I'm going to fix this and this and this about him. So then you do, you can become his mother. Mm-hmm. And I, I also just think the don't compromise on that stuff. I do think because the emotion can feel good. It do feels good compromise. to have somebody, you know, be nice if that was your goal or right. it, those things. We enjoy that as gals, we but do. man, you can't compromise on the things that are what you're talking about. The lasting things. It's got to be there. And that's why I do think like you're saying, write it down, think through what does a God-fearing man look like? I actually think that should be a list. I, I have a sweet gal on our team, Anna, and she was saying that there can be a list. Somebody told her, gave her this advice, list of what these non-negotiables would be. Mm -hmm. And then even have someone, an accountability person, like see that list. That's such a great idea, and Amy. And sign it. That's exactly and, you know, right. I mean, I just thought that was such a brilliant idea. I don't know who gave it to her or if it was her idea, but... There can be some sweet accountability in that. It can really yeah. protect you. Well, and we're starting to do pre-dating counseling, mm. pre-engagement counseling. We are more than happy. I have one gal that they're talking about getting married. And bless her heart, she really wants to know, what do I want to look for? And when we meet together, okay, what did you see? Did you see any red flags? And I think it's really important to have other people get to know mm -hmm. this person you want to marry and you being open to if they're seeing red flags and you don't want to see them because you're in love mm -hmm. <laughs> and 
being willing to hear what they might say. Yeah. And it's not saying that all those red flags, you know, if they have any red flags, you can't marry them because everyone is going to have sure. red flags. Everyone is a sinner. We're all sinners. But just be willing to listen and take advice and hear what might be hard to hear just because mm-hmm. you, you know, you're just so excited and in love and mm-hmm. want all these things. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, yes, everybody has... I don't know exactly what the right word is. Everybody has things because we're sinners, right? But I would say if it's a red flag that's on your non-negotiable list. Exactly. That one, exactly. that's just, you can't go there. That's you know, if, if, if you're having yeah. a conversation with them and they're saying something about, well, I don't really think we have to take scripture this far. Things that would like really deny some things that you just need to not cross that line on. Those are things you need to run for <laughs> run for dear life. But I wanted to talk about this a little bit with you, Jamie, because you do talk to so many gals that are maybe having trouble in their marriage or mm-hmm. different things. This is the part that I wish we talked about more. So do we. Yeah. So do we. And we've been talking a lot about this on the counseling team and trying to be proactive Yeah. and just having these things. If you're dating someone and he says he's a Christian... Let's mm-hmm. assume, you know, he says he's a Christian and he's even coming to Athey with you and he's coming to church and, and goes to Ironworks even. And then you were to say to him, what do you think about both of us counseling together, you know, just with, with one of the pastors and, you know, just before we even get engaged and kind of help him, you know, mm-hmm. help us talk through mm-hmm. some things. And he says, ah, no, I'm not interested in that. You know, that would be a place where you might want to go, okay, so why not? Yeah. That would be a little bit of a, a caution right there, I think. Mm-hmm. But if he says, you know what, I would love that. I would love that. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's just walk into this marriage as well as we can. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's still going to be, you're still, it's still life. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's going to be trials and tribulations and hard stuff. Yep. But there's a lot of pain that could be avoided. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, for moms of whatever the rules are in your house, meaning like ages of dating and that kind of stuff, I'm a kind of a weird house and we don't really do the whole single dating thing until way later, way, way later. That's so good. Amy. Uh, yeah. So good. They can do all kinds of stuff together and there can be groups. Have and fun, you mean? Oh yeah. Like and no not pressure all the pressure and weirdness. Yeah. But sometimes I think that even moms have a temptation to... It's a little bit the BFF thing with our kids a little bit too much. You know, they like someone and we don't want to like, we don't want them to have them be mad at us or we don't want them to, we don't want to say something that they might not want to hear. And then that, I hear that from moms and it kind of concerns me because moms, we need to remember they have tons and tons of friends and they have one mom, one one mom, right. you're the parent, you are the parent, right. you're the parent, you're the parent. Right. And that's not a bad thing. Cause I mean, you could probably ask my kids. They definitely know I am the parent, but I also love hanging out with my kids and we have great relationships and especially as they're getting older and you've got to experience this, I'm sure with your kiddos, that that relationship and that friendship looks different later. But when they're younger, you know, you got to remember to be the parent. Yeah. You're not helping them by becoming their friend. And I do think, I think it's a trap moms fall into and it could be from their own past, their own insecurities, where their sons get a girlfriend or their daughters get a boyfriend and, oh, I didn't have a boyfriend in high school and this is so cute and it's so cute. And just be careful Mm -hmm. and not let your own background, insecurities, whatever, 
sway you away from what's best for your kids. And just don't be afraid to talk to your kids about that stuff too. I mean, and even any of those red flags, all of that stuff, man, just talk about it. I sometimes think that car time, I always talk about car time when we are driving because I've spent a lot of time driving kids in the car. My kids went to a school that was about a 30 minute drive one way. And I drove that for 15 plus years. So that's great. A lot of time, (laughs) but it is kind of great because, and then, but it's always in those quiet moments in the car that I find that there's usually like this little voice that I have since kind of realized this is probably the Holy spirit telling you, you should probably talk about fill in the blank, but we just want to go, Oh, they don't want to hear about that right now. They're doing their homework. I don't need to talk to them about that. And it's, that's just honestly, that is dead time in the car. You have got a captive audience. And I always wonder, sometimes I will say something and I feel like it probably fell on deaf ears. But what if it didn't? Mm. You know what I mean? I think for sure there's going to be stuff I you will probably hear yeah, about 10 years down the road. You don't know where the fruit's going to come exactly. from that, Amy, at all. You, we just have to be as moms obedient to, yeah. man, when the Lord is asking us to talk to our kids about stuff that might even be hard, relationship, anything, man, go there. Yeah, just just go there because you love them. Yeah. And you want them to know the Lord and you want them to follow Him and not get into something that you're just trying to protect yeah. them. So, you know, we, you know, we're hopefully this is some good encouragement for the singles. If you're dating, man, be serious about that relationship and what that looks like. And don't just be nonchalant thinking, oh, I'm sure this will work itself out later. That's probably not going to happen. You really need to know what a godly man looks like and you need to you do. be willing to really pursue that. But then the bulk of your time, is spent counseling once people are married. And I do sense that, you know, just like you talked about at the beginning, how marriage is just as singleness is, is a picture of the gospel. I think that just Mm -hmm. means all the more of a giant target that the enemy has to just attack our marriages. So Mm -hmm. I do want to spend just, you know, I would love to hear what encouragement you would give for our married couples too. Amy, I just, it is really heartbreaking because the enemy, I feel like he's after two things full force and marriages and kids. And unfortunately, the internet has opened the door to such ugliness that is destroying these beautiful marriages, these Christian couples that get married and some stuff is being brought into these marriages That's so destructive for both the wife and the husband. And it brings in shame and guilt and all those things. And it's just heartbreaking to see all the different things, Mm -hmm. the way the enemy is really attacking marriages. But I think one of the things I always try to help women see, the world says that marriage is supposed to make you happy. Mm. And that's not what the Lord says. (laughs) The Lord says, really, marriage is to make you holy. And it's to help make you Christ-like. And it's bringing these two people together that are sinners, and he creates them into one flesh. Because the Lord, the one flesh, we see that in Matthew 19, 6, about being one flesh. Jesus talks about that. And we see that the Lord just loves unity, and he wants this unity in marriage. It doesn't mean he doesn't want diversity. Mm -hmm. And like you and I talked about, The Trinity is a perfect example of unity with diversity. So in marriage, you do have diversity, but he really wants that unity in this marriage. And he wants your marriage to be strong. But it's these two people coming together, and the goal is to make each other holy. And happiness often is the result. I have many times of great happiness in my marriage. But there's a lot of times when the Lord's really used to use marriage to help me become 
more Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that just has to do with one of a verse I really like, scripture I really like is Romans 12, 9 through 10, talking about, I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, but outdo one another in showing love to each other. Mm-hmm. And then it also talks in that scripture about how your love must be sincere. And I think you have to be very careful about letting unforgiveness or things like keeping score sneak into your marriage. Mm -hmm. But one of the pastors, I love it. He talks about you each fighting for the low ground. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you each fight who can honor the other person more, Mm -hmm. who can serve the other person more. And he just describes it as fighting for the low ground, but it's really just this picture of, so backing up a little bit, you know, we often look at Ephesians 5, 22 through 31 as the marriage. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, husbands, mm-hmm. that, you know, that whole scripture. But 521, the verse right above it says, submit one to another. I love that for marriage counseling. It's that loving and honor each other. It's like, try to just outdo each other and loving each other. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how practical that it really is. I mean, it, it sounds like, oh, that's so, you know, high minded and so fluffy <laughs> to say, oh, it just does. submit to one another and everything works out. But I think if you th- put that through the lens of Romans, like you were just talking about, of outdoing one another and showing honor, mm-hmm. what that would really look like, you know, and come up with examples in your brain, gals, like think about the thing that you don't like to do, or, or maybe rather the thing that your husband really does not like to do around the house, you know, or how could you do something just even on a practical level, just for him, just because it's for him and not you. The idea when you first started this conversation with towards marriage of that, it is not with the goal of happiness. That is, I mean, gals, you are gonna have to fight against that all the time. All that, the time. Because everybody wants to say, oh, you deserve more and you deserve this. Yeah. And it's all about you. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. And you know, if you mm. aren't happy, then clearly you must fix something immediately. You right. know, that is not a biblical concept so, Amy, at all. You're, you're just hitting on what I just love to talk about. And that's the whole idea of dying to yourself in a marriage. Yeah. And if you look at the word obedience, the very middle of that is the word die. Mm. But here's the thing. When you die to yourself, again, Christ is our perfect example of that, right? You become alive in Christ. Mm. And alive means what? Flourishing, Mm-hmm. It's active. It's thriving. It feels like, oh, I have to die to myself. I have to give up everything I like for and this And act like guy. the martyr for a second. Don't exactly. do that. Exactly. Don't do the martyr thing. No. A- again, that's where that, and then you fall into keeping score. Yeah. And those are all things the enemy tries to work out in your marriage. But if you die to yourself, you do things like you were just talking about, what are the things I can do to make my husband happy? Love language. That <laughs> There's the book on the five love languages. And that's good. You know, it's got its plus points. But finding those places that your husband, what means a lot to him if you do, mm-hmm. just those little extra things, knowing his love language is, I just think is really helpful in knowing, does he love to have you make dinner every night? Make dinner every night. Mm-hmm. My husband loved that I made him breakfast. So for 40 years, I got up every morning. I know it sounds That's weird. That's amazing. And I made him breakfast. And it meant sometimes, a lot of times, getting up at five o'clock to make him breakfast. But he loved that. Mm. And I loved doing it for him. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, too. So I don't know. You can't do these things grudgingly. Right. 
it's a work of the Lord in your heart to want to do this for this person. Here's the hard thing, and this is where I think the scripture, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6, comes in. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even some do not obey the word. So that's kind of crucial here. That means even if your husband isn't a godly guy, or he may even be a Christian, but he's not really even walking with the Lord right now. Mm-hmm. Paul says, you still do this anyway. And he goes on to say that they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. So I want to talk about this for a little bit, Amy. I love it. Go for it. <laughs> without a word. Women, that is really difficult. It's really challenging. It's we really have lots challenging. Of words. We have lots of words. And men... You know, they are intelligent, brilliant, wonderful creatures. But after three or four sentences, they don't hear you anymore. (laughs) They're done. (laughs) And so we really counsel to keep, when you have something to say, keep it short. Women tend to go into these long, lengthy explanations and all this and talking and going on and on. And here he says, win them without a word. Mm-hmm. And I'm at least giving you three or four sentences. But yeah. the point is here in this scripture that you're winning them over. And he goes on to say this. You're winning them with so that they may be one without a word by your conduct. Mm. So I think this is where finding ways to serve them and, and do those things for them that they love. And if they see you doing that with a joy in your heart and that you want to do this for them, that's going to win them over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think women, we often get in the way of the Lord. Mm -hmm. We get in the way of the Lord with our words. Mm -hmm. I think we can push on our husbands that they just start digging their heels in. They won't listen to us. They won't listen to the Lord. I just think it's so crucial that we're very careful with our words. And I think it's so important when we're talking with our husbands that we listen and hear, Mm -hmm. pray, and then respond. Yeah, that's really good. You know, when I think about how we need to guard our words, I think one of the things that I feel like there's so many contrary messages right now to every single point of this. And one of the things that's really big right now is that you deserve to be heard. Right. Now, I mean, there's probably a lot we could say about that, but we first, we just, we got the you if we're just going to take this one word at a time. (laughs) (laughs) That's our problem right there. I know. It's like, this is where if we're going to start anything that if we're saying something here, or if you read something in scripture that you're like, well, I don't know if I like that. I'm supposed to Mm -hmm. watch my words or I'm not, I deserve, okay, well, you've used some pronouns that are either I or you, you know, and it's all about us all the time. And then that we deserve it. Gals, that's deserving. What, where does that word where biblically could we look at our marriage, our relationship and say, I deserve? It's not in it's there, not Amy. Something. You know, I had a gal one time that she called. She was so upset because she was celebrating her 20th anniversary and her marriage was in shambles. Mm. And she said, on your 20th anniversary, you're supposed to have this big party, all this family, and it's supposed to be this big, huge milestone celebration. And I said, where does it say that in scripture? Mm. I said, that's a worldly expectation. You may never have that in Mm -hmm. your marriage. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it'll come at 30 years or 40 years where your marriage is in a great place. But you haven't 
failed because your marriage at 20 years, you're not having this big party. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a world expectation. Yeah, that's one of those things where you kind of just kind of have to take captive some of these messages exactly. that you're going to hear, whether it's you deserve, whether it's you deserve to be heard, you know, and again, this isn't saying that you don't want to be in a relationship as you said that Ephesians 5.21 says that we're submitted one to another. And and these are things that you want to do. You want to be listening. You want to be able to share these things together. This is a great thing. But again, we're talking to the gals here. Right. It's not... We're not counseling the guys. We're not counseling the guys. <laughs> and you know, gals, that's really not on you either for your husband. Just like you read in First Peter. Oh. Without a word, by Without your conduct. A... I was thinking of just a funny thing, but you know, we're all humans, so we all do things that irritate each other. Right. And I was thinking the other day, I don't know what, probably just say the Lord was convicting my own heart on this, but say your spouse does something that really irritates you. Mm-hmm. You have choices there. You mm-hmm. can choose to use all the words. Yes. Or what if every time he annoyed you, you just prayed for him? Amy, I mean, it just kind of flips it, you know? That. Amy, that's, and that is fighting for that low ground, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a way of showing him honor. Women feel like they have to have closure for every single incident. Mm. And you don't. Yeah. And it really is okay to let things go. Yeah. It's okay if your feelings get hurt sometimes and you go right to the Lord with it, give it to Him, and let it go. Yeah. You don't have to have an apology and a resolution. I'm not saying there aren't times when that is needed, mm. because there are, obviously. But I know for me, that was really helpful in my marriage. Joe comes from a family where the guys are harsh. Mm. Their tone is harsh. And I've been working a long time to help get that tone down. <laughs> and it would hurt my feelings. But I, I really honestly chose a lot of times to just let it go. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you were saying, sometimes there's the things you can let go. And sometimes there's things where it is just some direct communication. But I kind of like your practical advice there of you and like, hey, How about three sentences on that too? And that's probably enough just to kind of cover what we're doing and and be able to nip that thing and it be something that is dealt with and gone. I think often if we can get bothered by something that our husbands just will not be bothered by, and then that will almost be like, how are you not bothered by this? (laughs) And and you can see it's a foothold for the enemy though. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's so good. And, you know, as you're listening to this, gals, we've talked about the ones, maybe you're a young gal who marriage is long, long in the you know horizon for you. Maybe it's far out there. But right. these things and the struggles that are there, I think it's important that single gals and gals that are dating really hear this stuff. I mean, man, go I listen to all the stuff. It. Yeah. Read the yeah. scriptures on what the scriptures say about marriage and what those relationships look like, because it's not like when you walk down that aisle, it's all just, you just check the box and you got it. Right. This is really important to hear right. now. Right. No, you're going to start out on a journey that's, you know, that the Lord has planned for the two of you and he's got a plan and a purpose for your marriage. It's beautiful, but it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Marriage is hard. Walking by faith is hard Mm -hmm. because we can't see. We can't see what's ahead. So that's why it's faith. Mm -hmm. But marriage is hard and it's work every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. That, you know, I, somebody early, early on in Chris and I's marriage, it might have been part of our premarital counseling, but they reminded us that those that think it will never happen in my marriage, like right. we'll never talk to each other that way. We will right. never 
just get in a, like in a situation that would make it where it would seem like our marriage isn't going to work. Like that will never happen. And that is a presumption that the enemy, I think would like to plant to tell you that, Oh, you're invincible. You're good. You're going to church. You know, you're checking the boxes, but we need to be really careful. Like if you've been married seven years, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years, are you still putting effort into your marriage. Cause I do think sometimes when you've been married for a really long time, you can kind of move into that, like, Oh, this is just life. This is what we're doing. But you can be like, wow. Yeah. We actually haven't gone on a date in, I don't know oh, how long, yeah, or we haven't. Or, yeah. There's just a lot of things that I think that we need to remember effort. Like you just said, marriage is work. That's not a bad thing. Works awesome, no. but it it's effort and right. it's work. And we need to not be lazy in our marriages. I totally agree. And I'm in a marriage where I see the fruit of that. And I see the fruit of constantly working at it. And we just have so much fun together. But it wasn't always easy. And there were, it is a hard thing to be married. Mm -hmm. You do have to die to yourself. And you have to give up a lot of yourself for a marriage to really succeed. And that's that submitting one to another. But the dates are great. And there's another, you know, just communication is obviously such a big thing in marriage and how do we communicate you know couples we deal with women all the time where the couples are just in a cycle Mm -hmm. the communication you know this where they just yeah you know and then our job is to try and help them get out of that and i love that we we partner with the pastors often and we'll couple counsel Mm -hmm. and it's great because then you know they can both bring this and we can kind of help them work through how to better communicate but something that you can do there is set aside an hour once a week and I, i always think this is kind of a good thing to do where if there's things that happen during the week that upset you obviously go to the lord first write them down and have a meeting once a week where you both sit and just kind of chat through some of those things. The emotions mm-hmm. have died. The intensity of it has died. But yet it still needs to be talked through. Set aside a time once a week where you both get together and do that. Mm-hmm. And it's real easy to say, oh, well, we don't have time. Or something came up and we I didn't know. do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. I, I mean, I still even right now I have on my to-do note that says that schedule the next couple date nights, you know, and I just put them on the calendar. Yeah, I know stuff can come up and we might have to move things around, but if you don't, at least in my type A schedule life over here. Well, and <laughs> if you're it's in such a busy schedule, season, Amy. It yeah. might not happen. Right. But to your point, lots of people are in super busy seasons, right? And the thing is though, we can tell ourselves that, oh, this is just a busy season. My marriage will be fine. No. I don't have to worry about it. That's nonsense right there. Yeah, so... I think in God's eyes, marriage is so important. And I love that Pastor Brett put salvation first and marriage a close second. Mm-hmm. The value of marriage and how God sees this institution. Today, we're just seeing it taken so lightly mm-hmm. in so many different ways. And the enemy is attacking it so greatly. So I think it's so important that we make our marriages a priority. Mm -hmm. The enemy is going to use everything, busyness number one, to keep us from making our marriage a priority. Yeah. Well, one of the things, and, and you brought this up before, that I think is the most important thing you can do in your marriage is praying for your husband. 
Yes. yes. So uh, yes. A rem- remind me of the book. It, it, Jamie brought this book today and yeah. it's one that I have had for many, many years. What is it? It's Praying God's Will for My Husband by Lee Roberts. Yes. And I think, Amy, you said you're going to yeah. put a link for uh, yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to put a link in the notes on this. Teacher Patty, who I've had on Teacher the podcast. Teacher Patty, yep. <laughs> who I've had on the podcast before. She gave me a copy of that years ago. And it's all scripture, gals. It's, it's just scripture. It's scripture. But you can pray for your husband and that's huge. Amy, you can pray for your husband in a way no one else can. Mm. You know him in a way no one else can. You know all the stuff going on in his life and in his mind and in his heart. So just think of how rich your prayers for him can be. And this book is great because it is all scripture. And you just put your husband's name in there. And you know when you're praying scripture, you're not praying anything wrong. That, that's exactly <laughs> right. You're praying right on. So it's a great tool. And at night when he's asleep and if you happen to wake up or he falls asleep before you put your hand on him and pray for mm-hmm. him, just pray for him constantly all day long when he comes to your mind and it does so many things doing that i mean i think first of all it it sets our own minds and hearts you know in the right direction because maybe maybe it was a rough day maybe he said something to you that kind of hurt your feelings or whatever and but even in that you have that choice to go you know maybe i should just write this down i liked your point about maybe writing it down and then at the end of the week Seeing because I'd be willing to bet maybe something that bothers you that might have been said on a Monday. By the time you get to Friday, you're like, "Well, oh, you saw right I, through me. Yeah, Amy. I you saw right through me. Really, don't even need to talk about that. I know and you that, look at that list and you're like, "Wow, that." Mm. But prayer is, you know, you can be real busy, but you've got all kinds of time to pray. You know, I mean, it's not something that that's one of the things that is so amazing that I don't think that we sit back and just even just acknowledge the Lord and praise him for the fact that we can pray. I mean, there isn't something that that, there's no formula. There's not like this big, we don't have to go anywhere. You truly have access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords every single second for your marriage, for your husband. And that it sets my mind in the right place of even if I'm irritated about something or he didn't do something and I thought he should or whatever, if you're praying for him, it's just funny. It totally changes things. It changes everything. And I love that, Amy. And if women really do do that, they will see that. Mm-hmm. They really will. And it's a privilege that we get to pray. And I love to think how we are just like little children and we can just run up to the Lord all the time and just spew stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't want us to have it all perfectly outlined. And I mean, you know we can tend to do that and think oh if i didn't do it if i didn't praise him first and if i didn't do this first and that first and you know but we can just run to him like a child and just blurt it all out but Mm. upholding our husbands in prayer upholding marriage which is so sacred and and so special to the lord is a privilege yeah and also say even you know if you're not married pray for your future spouse Yeah, like right now in my prayer list, my prayer journal, I have my grandchildren's spouses. Love it. That I'm starting to pray for because I don't know, you know, and I I don't know if they'll all be married or not, but praying for them anyway. Yeah. Again, referencing teacher Patty, but she told me early, early on when my kiddos were in preschool, she said, pray for their spouses right now. It's been in my prayer journals for the last 
15 years. And I've been praying for who those gals might be praying that they will love the Lord, that they will be protected, pray for their purity, pray for, you know, that they will love the Lord with all their heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know? And so those are right on my brain. Cause I mean, I pray that constantly and pray scripture for, and pray scripture for them, for your kids' future spouse and, or for your future spouse someday, if you're not married, but especially for sure, be praying for your own spouse if you are married. So, okay, well, there's been a ton here. So I don't know if you guys were doing laundry, you might have had to pause a few times and go grab a sticky note and write some stuff down because that's how I feel when I talk to Jamie. But before we wrap up here, do you just have any kind of last minute things that you want to give to gals? So ladies, just to conclude, a scripture I love for us as women, whether you're married or single, it's 1 Thessalonians 4.11. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. And I just love what Paul is saying there. And think about it, what ambition means. Today, ambition is, oh, she's so ambitious, or he's got such ambition to accomplish this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Look what he's, what Paul is saying here is to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Mm. Meditate on that, ladies. Think about what it means for you in your life to lead a quiet life for you, whether you're married or you're single. What does that look like? Oh, I love that. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at atheycreek.com.